Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nations. I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. In last week's podcast, we talked about how Jesus could take everything that's been broken or damaged in our life and turn things around and make those things into something of beautiful value. Well, this week, we're going to look at the props in our lives. What is holding you up? What are you leaning on, depending on? I learned that even though I thought I was depending on Jesus at certain times of my life, I was really leaning on many other things. And when I got in crisis mode, those things became very unstable. Jesus is with me. He taught me to put my trust in him. And the way he did it was by kicking out some of those props and helping me put down strong roots in him. I love Hebrews 12, 2, that says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father God. It says in the Amplified, looking away from all that distracts to Jesus. And so Jesus is seated in heavenly places with the Father God. He sat down. He's not standing up. He's not worried. He's not fretting about what's going on in your life or even in the world today. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and there he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into us, his individual members, his body, the church, so that we could bring his plan and his purpose here to the earth. And so he does that by working out a process in our lives. And boy, I learned in my life that there are many, many things that I'm trying to get my strength from or get my security from, but that Jesus is really the one who can be my security and my strength. So when you were fearfully and wonderfully created in your mother's womb, when all of us were, God loved us and he put within us gifts and graces that we would need to fulfill our destiny and our God purpose. But because of the fall, at the very moment of birth, Satan begins working on little babies trying to destroy what God created to be very good. When I was a child, I was tormented by fear. And, you know, it really makes me so angry that Satan begins on us as little children trying to paralyze and intimidate us. Kids' spirits are so moldable and open and somewhat more in touch with the spirit realm than ours are as we grow hardened and more worldly. And Satan uses this openness in kids as an access And so he begins with his strongholds in our life by working in us really at very early ages to feel insecure or to have fears in our life. And in in my story, I was full of fear. Now, you know, I want to share a theory that I have with you. I have a theory that there are no really bad qualities in us, only positive qualities that have been twisted or misused. For example, Uh, You may have a really talkative child. 
And that kid may be graced and gifted as a communicator or even as an entertainer, but they could use it in the classroom for a wrong purpose by distracting other kids from the teacher. Or another example, you might have a very stubborn husband, I know I did, and so determined to have his own way, and yet the good side of that is he's always steadfast and very faithful. And so Satan is constantly trying to take those good gifts the Father's given us and twist them and hell cause us to misuse them or even abuse them, and so they bring pain and destruction instead of bringing grace and blessing. Last week, I shared my salvation story and how Jesus came into my heart and changed my heart. And remember, I told you that according to Romans ten nine, it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so that was what I did when I was 15 years old. And at that very time, my spirit became new. The Bible says we become a new creation old things are passed away, everything becomes new. And I don't really believe that that means we are changed from our original purpose. But what it means is we are restored to that original purpose that God created for us to walk in. So when we come, he begins a process of restoration. I love it. He's like a treasure seeker. He's looking to bring back And shine up those qualities and use them for his glory. So I think of it like we're like a raw chunk of wood or or of stone that God wants to begin to shape and he wants to pull out the image of what he's created us to be. But first, he has to begin to chip away all the excess to bring out the shape that he sees. And this can be painful as we realize things we have to lay down in our lives in order to draw nearer to him. He wants to help us get rid of wounds and scars, and he wants to make us fresh and new. But sometimes that means removing some painful habits or ways of thinking or even trauma in our lives. Jesus, I'm thankful, is merciful enough not to do this all at once, (laughs) but to do it step by step as we follow him. I don't think we could take it if he worked on everything at once because there are many things he has to renew in our lives to begin even to see the shape of what he's created us to be. So in my life, he had to remove that fear. Fear was my enemy and a constant companion. And like the Bible says, fear involves torment. When we first come to Jesus, most of us experience a great sense of peace, that peace with God where we feel like we're accepted, where we feel like we're forgiven. And that peace should guide and guard us into our future. And yet if you've got a root of fear in your life, the enemy's going to continue to try to use it to immobilize you, to shut you down and to shut you up so that you're ineffective for God's kingdom. Early in my marriage, I joined a women's Bible study, and that was my very first commitment to grow, even before we attended church regularly. I enjoyed learning, and I was mentored by a wise woman who was my leader, who I still appreciate to this day, Patsy. But one day, she announced that each of us would have a day in the coming month to share and teach, and that just paralyzed 
paralyzed me with fear. That news literally ruined my days and was a constant dread over my head every time I thought about it. I already shared last week how I was so afraid to speak in front of people. Once I skipped out of a ladies' meeting when I was told we would all have to stand up and introduce ourselves, and it backfired on me because when I walked back in after hiding out for a few minutes, the teacher stopped her message to say, oh, you're back. Could you please tell us who you are? And I was petrified, but I had to do it. But in this Bible study, I was growing, and Jesus helped me when we got that assignment that we were going to teach. At first, I was so afraid, and I, it just tormented me at night, but the Lord encouraged me. Then he began to say to me, just think of all the things I've done for you. Think of all I've done in you. And as that little seed thought grew, I almost started to get excited to share my testimony with the girls. And that was exactly what I did when my day came. It was a big step for me, but it was really a small beginning in what God had planned in the future. He plans to take us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. He first has to work in us to remove all the chaff, take away all the big things, sins and habits in our life that are distracting us from keeping focused on him. But once he removes all those big chunks, he can begin to finally work to sand and to dig in little places and begin to bring out that beautiful image that he has intended, the way he sees us. He makes all things new, and that's the way he does it, by working, working in our lives. So last week when I shared about losing my husband, by that time when he went to heaven, I was much stronger than I had been in those first Bible study days. I'd gone through the process of growing enough that I had been a leader of a Bible study. And then we moved and up to Glenwood Springs and we finally committed, go to church on a regular basis. And I share this because Jesus was always with me. (laughs) But honestly, I didn't begin to grow into what he had for me until I began to pursue knowing him through his word. And that, of course, came through the Bible studies, but predominantly through going regularly to church. But even further than that is that commitment to give, because when I made a commitment to serve in my church, that's when I really began to grow. And I think it comes from the God principle that you can't outgive God. Whatever you give to God, he multiplies it and gives it back to you. And so when you make a decision, not just to be only a receiver, but to be a giver, and you may not think you have anything to give, but such as you have, you give. And you can begin to commit to be a part of what God's doing so that other people can be blessed. When I did that, I really began to grow. The Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And that's what God gives to us when we just give him whatever we have, he will multiply it. And yet, if we give him nothing, nothing times 100 is still nothing. And so sometimes we wonder why we're not seeing the growth in us or the power of God in our lives. But I want to challenge you by asking you, what are you giving to God? Are you just expecting him Are you expecting him to do everything for you? Or are you willing to give your life to do something for him and with him? When Don left us, we were committed in a church and I was serving in the worship ministry. But that tragedy left me floundering and really looking for anything to hang on to. 
those were different times than today. It's hard to even imagine. But my husband, he made all the decisions for us. He didn't ask me what I thought about anything. And so when he left, I felt completely alone and powerless. I had Jesus, but I was leaning on so many other things. First of all, my husband. Thank God we were involved in a good church. I had two older boys, my two older sons in college, and they had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and and they were walking with God. But I had at home with me my daughter, 14, and my two boys, 12 and 4, and our church family literally surrounded us. My pastor made himself available to counsel me, and I began to depend on them, my friends and my pastor, for my support and my help. And I don't mean financially, I mean emotionally. Any of you, though, who've ever lost a loved one know how quickly others move on. I felt like they, my friends, were all over it before I even came out of shock. And when I came out of shock, I felt disappointed. I felt lost, angry, scared. And even all that time, though Jesus was close to me, sometimes I felt like he was not even with me. I want to relate. I wish I could relate more all the truly supernatural ways he carried me. Maybe that's for another podcast, because I even had visions and times of his tangible presence. And now when I look back on it, I can see that he was working in me and moving me toward a goal of freedom and healing. But at the time, it felt like moving slowly through a dark, scary woods at night, leading my children when I couldn't even see the way. If you're going through a time like that now, I want to assure you If Jesus is with you, you're not alone. You might feel alone, but it's like that footprints picture that we can't even see the path sometimes because he's carrying us. I love Philippians 2.12. I'm going to read it from the New King James. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and do for his good pleasure. And so it says, work out your salvation. And what does that mean? I mean, to me, it means that there are things we're going to go through in our lives that are going to begin to test what we're hanging on to, what we're drawing our strength from. And those tests are never pleasant. They're painful. But at the same time, they're working in us God's righteousness. And so the the end is that we would work out from the inside to the outside the character of God, the nature of God, the power of God, the love of God, and the fruit of the Spirit will be developed in our lives. Now, let me read you that from the Amplified. The Amplified says, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. And then it says self-distrust, serious caution, and tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. And so that's how we work out our salvation. We cultivate the salvation that's been planted in our heart is we aren't putting our trust in ourselves. We are cautious and tender in our 
conscience to please God and to remove things that he asks us to remove, to just work with him, let him work in us. In verse 13, and we're still in Philippians 2, I love this in the Amplified, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you power and desire to will and work for his good pleasure. Hallelujah. So God, it's not you who's doing it. It's God who's working in you. And yet where it says work out your own salvation, it means work with God. Let God work in you. It says he is energizing us and creating in us not only power to do his will, but the actual desire to do his will. And so he's working in us to strengthen us and perfect us. Before I felt like a tiny tree, a sapling with straps and props to keep me straight. And the wind was always blowing and whipping me. My emotions, my feelings whipped here, there, and everywhere. But somehow, friends, through the trials and tests of life, through working with Jesus and letting him create things in me, I have become, I feel like a strong oak tree. The Bible talks about it in Psalm 1. We will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. And so that's what happens when we're planted by the river of water. When we let God work within us, he is going to cause us to be strong, even in times of heat and drought. Isaiah 63 or 61 verse 3, which is the chapter that talks about how Jesus was anointed. It says in verse 3, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy burdened and failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So it was painful and it was scary to let go of the props in my life. And, you know, that was only the beginning. I have more stories to share of other things I had to let go of as I walked with Jesus, but I found the truth that Jesus would never let go of me. I'm going to close with this scripture, Hebrews 13, 5, in the Amplified. He, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Most assuredly not. And the next verse says, so we take comfort and we are encouraged and we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can anyone do to me? So my takeaways from this week's teaching to summarize. First, it's normal to try to lean on earthly things, people, job security, plans that we've made. But second, Jesus wants our dependency to be on him. 
And he is the only one who will never, ever fail us. Three, you're never alone. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are your constant companions. And not only that, you've got the angels of the covenant that guard round about you and your own personal angels that are there to help you fulfill the call of God on your life. And number four, the Philippians 2.13, God is working in us to bring about his plan. It's a process of working out our salvation, but it shall come to pass as we rely on him. The perfect plan of God is being revealed and we are being changed from glory to glory. So don't fear. So join me next week, my friends, to hear about the beginning of my missionary call. I know you're going to be blessed and encouraged and God wants your life to be one that makes a difference. So let him work in you and let him kick out all the other props. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening today. I pray you were blessed and encouraged. One of my life scriptures is Hebrews 11.1 in the Jordan translation. It says, Now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. It is betting your life on unseen realities. In Jesus Christ, you have what it takes to step into all God has prepared for you. If this episode's blessed you, please share it with someone else. I look forward to meeting with you again next week.